Welcome everyone to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. I'm your host, Jose Palomino, CEO of Valley Prop Interactive. And today it is my great pleasure to have as our guest, the CEO of Pioneer Service Inc. based in Illinois, Anissa Muthana. And Anissa is the CEO who has seen this company through some difficult times and also has taken it to new heights by building an intentional culture of success and more than that, a human culture. And we're going to talk about manufacturing. We're going to talk about winning. We're going to talk about not accepting failure as an option. So there's a lot to learn here from this uh, this episode as we welcome Anissa to our show. Well, welcome Anissa to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you, Jose. I'm glad to be here. Well, Anissa, I'd like yeah, just to, so our audience gets a proper context. Just what do you and your firm do and who do you do it for primarily? Sure. My company name is Pioneer Service, and we are a contract manufacturer of precision machine components. Uh, we serve a wide variety of industries, including aerospace, medical devices, uh, electrical vehicles, among many others. We were very proud to be part of the battle against COVID, uh, making parts for both ventilators and biotech equipment. Oh, wow. So I'm just curious on that point, if I may, and, and there's so much I want to talk to you about, but but that thought, was that something that the culture of the folks on the floor were aware that we're actually part of the battle against COVID? I mean, did that permeate that way? 100%. Even prior to COVID, we've been making parts um, to treat cancer patients and, you know, for aerospace. And we, when we are able to, because obviously, because of NDAs, there's times that we aren't able to share the information. But when we know what the application is, we not only share it on, we put it on our monitors, we talk about it in our quarterly events. And when COVID hit, we didn't even know we were making parts for ventilators. And our customer called us and said, don't furlough your employees, don't shut down. And not that we were planning it, but he did. they did, several customers mentioned that they were parts for uh, ventilators. And as soon as we heard that, we shared that news with the entire team. Wow. And, and so where's, where, where's your company based uh, physically? What's your, like your, your sweet spot area? So we are in Addison, but we service the entire nation. And we're actually in the process of, because of us expanding and buying more equipment, we are going to be moving to a facility three times bigger than we currently are in right now uh, in October. Wow. Wow. So that's like right from middle America spreading out, serving the rest of the country. That's fantastic. Absolutely. So, so I, I love that thought about culture and letting people know what they do because all too often, and I, and again, most of the work we do is with manufacturers or other industrial companies. And when you talk to the line workers, they say, listen, man, I know this widget goes in this box and this is what happens. But I think telling people how important it is that it actually, uh, there's, there's one company I work with years and years ago and they made springs. And it turned out their spring was used on the lunar lander uh, for Apollo 11. And, wow. I, and they weren't telling anybody this. And I said, look, you, you know, inside baseball, it's just a spring. Maybe it's no big deal. Maybe they're just a low cost provider. But I said, you know, your springs went to the moon. That's something worth talking about. So it's great when that you connect the dots for people uh, in terms of the organization. Now, you're talking about expanding here, right? So one thing we're hearing clearly, and anybody who's paying attention, is manufacturing 
is not dead in the U.S. No, it's not. <laughs> it's thriving. And we stepped up like no one's business during COVID. So um, the next time you see a maker, pat them on the back. A maker. I love that. That's good. Because yeah. you make stuff and it's important and we need stuff. So so question, you know, because this is something that is more of a strategic question, right? Long-term view. Um Manufacturing is coming back. People are talking about insourcing back in in country and things like that because of supply chain issues. Everything that we're all reading about, if you just even a, a casual read of the Wall Street Journal, is this a fundamental sea change in terms of how big companies are looking at their suppliers, or is this? And I'm not asking you to be like Warren Buffett here. I'm just, <laughs> but you know, just your feeling. Yeah. Or sure. is this something that's something a little bit stickier than that? Well, you know, I, I believe that manufacturing's always been an industry, an untapped industry. And so uh, currently the numbers you know, it, are the proof in the pudding, right? Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it, there's always going to be a need for things. And again, ma as makers, we touch lives. So I don't believe that this industry will ever die. Um, you know, developing and building a workforce is, I think, our biggest challenge, even with the supply chain issues that we're currently facing. I feel like the workforce is a huge challenge for most uh, job shops, big factories. And I know everyone's facing that challenge, but I think manufacturing has a stigma to break through. And, you know, it's no longer dirty, dark and grimy. So um, as far as business and investing, there's no better place than to invest in manufacturing. Wow. So it's interesting. What is it? Dirty, dark, and, and dangerous? Is that, is yeah. that, that's the same? Dark, grimy, oh. dangerous. Yeah. And, and I've been, you know, again, you know, been doing this for close, get, closing in on 20 years now, mostly with manufacturers. And they tell me one of the biggest challenges they have is that no one explicitly raises their kids to go work on a shop floor. They want to send them to college, become a doctor, you know, is, is, is the idea. Yet the work on the shop floor is very technical and requires a lot of skills that we associate with kind of higher order work, but it is higher order work and it's actually very well paying work mm -hmm. as well. Right. So that's so how in let's say in your in your local communities where you might be recruiting labor, how do you attract like young people to be interested or people who maybe never thought of manufacturing as, a, as something that could have a future for them? Well, as leaders in this industry, it is our uh, responsibility to do outreach, to promote and, and find advocates for the industry. I don't need everyone to join manufacturing. That, you know, obviously that's not an option. We all need to educate, you know, and that's part of the reason why I do these types of podcasts is so we can, you know, be out there in the front line and talking, you know, talking about not only what we are making, but how we develop and train up our team, you know, we can hire someone entry level. And, you know, nowadays, uh, unfortunately, uh, we're competing with McDonald's and Amazon and, you know, but this is not just a job. This is a career. And going back to what you said earlier, um, you know, there's this animated image that I saw and one, it was a stone cutter and you have one stone cutter that's, you know, sweating and he's just, he doesn't want to be there. You could just see it. 
And then you have this other stone cutter and the animation is like all these muscles and this, you know, he's just so into the job. And they ask him, you know, they ask this the, the other stone cutter and he says, yeah, I, I cut stones all day. And then they ask the, uh, the, the more animated one with, you know, that's showing so much passion in his work. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm building a cathedral. So we are doing things that are touching lives. And so it's on me, just like all the other leaders in the industry to be out there. It's part of our core values. It's part of what we talk about. We host students at least once a month. We host women that may not be attracted to the industry to show that it is now an industry that welcomes everyone. We host inner city students um, that also may have never considered manufacturing. So it is our responsibility to be out there in the forefront and, and explaining what manufacturing does and how we do touch lives and how it is a career and it's not just a job. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, and you, you referenced the inner city. So I grew up in New York City, uh, mm -hmm. you know, born and raised, lived there the whole over the first half of my life. And uh, New York, years and years ago, my, my father was a, a merch marine and he would we would drive by the piers on Manhattan that now only have like uh, cruise liners. Right. That's mm -hmm. all that's there. Yeah. But they used to be full of ships because there was manufacturing in lower Manhattan. There were all those. So the average person growing up in a city never sees a manufacturing facility because they're not in cities anymore. It's obviously cost prohibitive and so on. So I love the outreach that you're doing because these are kids, a lot of them that would benefit from a career path that goes from like, you know, journeyman, what did you call entry level mm -hmm. to somebody who really knows uh, CNC programming and, and all of that. And, you know, to, to learn those skills. And those are some pretty good jobs. Absolutely. They're very good jobs. And they're, you know, uh, it's coding, you know, it's, it's, it's things that, you not only in, but you, you also have to realize that it's, there is a manual part of it. It's not just, you know, pushing in numbers. You have to align the setup with the program and understand tooling and processes and, and also like raw material and how that, and, and then the secondary operations, there's more to it than just the programming, but it's all extremely rewarding. And again, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's never going to be, you know, there's always going to be lubricants, there's always going to be chips, there's always going to be some of that, but it's not, you know, dirty or, or anything like that, not at least not on my shop floor and most shop floors um, that have innovated and have done a digital transformation because we need to do that we need to make it more appealing, but we also need to be more competitive and be able to be uh, have profit margins that will afford us a skilled workforce. So that, that's an interesting thing because one of the things that we, we one of the richest areas for us um, working with clients is in this area of top scaling uh, your business. So you actually aim towards margin um, because sometimes historically the, the stuff that would move the top line is mm -hmm. the volume business from your biggest customer who's constantly beating you down for another five points and you're just a commodity supplier there, right? Yeah. I, I, not that you've ever experienced that, but I'm just saying, you know, that's what we've seen. And so we say, okay, well, what if you, what if you actually, what part of your business do you really prefer to do? Mm -hmm. And the, we've seen some very smart shops that say, you know, we rather work with this kind of client. And I said, be intentional about that because you could actually, especially in times of plenty, let's say relative plenty now where orders are coming and everybody's getting busy. It seems like it's a good time to rethink things, but, but we've also heard 
this refrain, and I'd like you to respond to it. We're so busy. We have so many orders coming in right now. We don't have time for strategy, marketing, or sales improvement. We're just, you know, we're just so busy. We're, we just grew 30% year over year. So we don't have, a, in fact, we're cutting back on our marketing budget by 75%. I actually heard that very specifically stated. So just how do you process that? Uh, it seems like people betting on this curve or this wave being a permanent thing. Well, I have a lot to share on that. First, as far as um, pushing back and firing a customer for whatever reason, you know, you never want it to get to that, but there are also customers that do treat you like a punching bag. And Mm -hmm. so even when business wasn't thriving, even when we did struggle, I didn't allow that because that's not the type of business that I want. And for instance, and no disrespect to the automotive industry, but unless it's high end or electrical vehicles, it's not likely I'm bidding on it because they require their suppliers to not only designate machines, but they want breakdowns of our costs. They want, they want to know everything. And unless you're paying my bills, you don't have a right to that information. And so I, you know, when I lost again, back in 2012, we lost 90% of our business and it went overseas, like within a six month period. Wow. I, I went out looking for jobs. I learned marketing. I redeveloped our website. I, I was hashtagging aerospace before I was AS9100 certified. <laughs> I was just, I was you know, getting everything. But then when that was presented to me, I was, you know, I was asked to bid on some jobs. I was like, you know, even in my lowest point, I'm not, I don't want this business because it was just very disrespectful, at mm. least how it was presented to me. Um, that being said, now on the flip side, now we're really busy. Now we're more selective. Who do we want to do business with? Mm. And that's when you want to market. That's when you want, when you're really strong, because if you get a no or a not now, it's not as painful you have that, you have that incoming business. So you can build your other, you know, your prospects into customers. Um, but at the, uh, uh, but on that same note, I'm not going to spend what I'm, what I used to spend. My budget on marketing is much lower today than it was when I was hungry. And I had machine availability because also, you don't want customers knocking on your door and you're giving them a 20 week lead time right. when, you know, when you're when you want to be four, at four weeks. So you really do have to be strategic about it. It's not an on and off. It's a strategy. It's something that you really have to plan for. And it's not just on the sales and marketing end. You need your entire team aligned, whether you're doing digital uh, transformation or you're onboarding a new customer or you're doing marketing. All of that has to be aligned and everyone has to be on the same page. Otherwise, it's a recipe for disaster. Well, well, well it's exciting about that. And, you know, as I listening to your story, you said, so you said like 2012, more or less, about 10 years ago. Yeah. A real, re, like a sudden six month retrenchment of the business. Right. So that's even for the, the strongest of heart, that has to be just discouraging. I mean, just like even if it's like. Even if it was people or business you didn't particularly like, losing 90% is just like, wow, that's hard. So my question to you is a little bit more personal. How did you keep your head in the game? (laughs) So um, this actually got us in the Wall Street Journal, on the cover of Wall Street Journal uh, a couple of years back uh, when they got allude to what had happened to us. 
So back in 2012, when we realized we lost 90%, it was five, uh, we had five top customers and they were all bought by a big OEM. Okay. And I, I saw it like, like within the six month period, but I kind of like, you know, you're, you're, you see the writing on the wall, mm-hmm. you know, it's coming, but you really can't do anything to really prepare for that. Because what I had to do is not just marketing, it was building a, you know, different platform. And so that's when we started going into CNC and CNC Swiss. Um, and there was a lot of bumps and, but closing my doors, sending my people home was never an option. It was just never an option. And I would say there's a handful of people that were there with me then and with me back in the 90s that are with me today that really just their stories, knowing you know, their sons, their daughters, knowing that, you know, again, we have, we have events that we do internally to, to, to showcase what we're doing and to keep the team in the loop of what management is working on. But then we also break bread together at least twice a year with our families. And so these people meant something to me. It wasn't just a business decision. It was a personal decision. And closing my doors was not an option. And that being said, those same people would clock out you know, during a time that was very difficult for the company. And so they would be learning the CNC and the Swiss and all these transformations and all of this new skill set that we all had to develop. You know, marketing changed. Our sales approach changed. Our platforms changed. It's a different company than it was 10 years ago. And I had people that would literally clock out, come in on the weekends, including Sunday, and learn what they needed to do so that they could reboost and work on the week on during the week. You don't get that from just anyone. You know, you, when you give, it really does come back to you. And that's, that's the proof in the pudding uh, from my team. And now today, you know, they're reaping the benefits of that blood, sweat and tears on their, on the shop floor. Well, they became stakeholders. Well, no, let me say it differently. It sounds like they were already stakeholders. Mm-hmm. They did not, because that isn't a transformation. You, you don't take, let's say, and, and obviously it wasn't the case for you, but you don't take somebody who has, let's say, maybe not a toxic culture, but like a non-engaged culture and also have people do what the behaviors you just described. Those are people that were already committed to your success, to the company's success. They saw it as their business, their success. So you yeah. inculcated that early before the crisis hit. Yeah, well, it's gratitude. The, the foundation of that is gratitude. When we lost 90% of the business, they knew what I could have done, okay? They knew what I, I had, my building was paid for. I had no debt. Everything in my receivables and my building, I would have retired a millionaire in my 40s. You know, it would have been very easy and it would have just been, but it wasn't. That wasn't an option in my mind. And they knew that. I, I was, again, keeping them. They didn't need to know everything, but I was transparent in my decision making. And I didn't even know day to day what I was going to do. But they trusted my judgment because mm. they knew I had their backs. It's the stewardship in our core values. Before they were pretty words on the walls. They meant something to us. And so that being said, when we became, when we, we started bringing in machines and they were clocking out and I realized what was going on, I pulled, there were actually three of them specifically, I pulled them in my office and I said, okay, you guys are, you know, you're clocking out, but you're here, what's going on? 
And they looked at me and they said, well, remember when we lost business and you were paying our bills? You, were, you didn't cut our hours. You didn't send us home. Now it's time for us to give back. And for them to just say that and recognize, do you know how much that drove me? Oh, do you know wow. how much that just, that the failure was not an option to begin with. That just fueled me to just look under every rock. And, you know, those same three individuals, there's more than the three, but those three leaders in my shop, led and, and led by example and and again um, are, are reap, not only reaping the benefits but now that we're growing and buying more machines that is something that today they feel the not only the reward in it but they feel the accomplishment they're part of that wow well that's first of all, I love that story it's an exciting story and and, and again it goes to what, what I believe is true, which is, you know, values can't, and you said it, actually an exact quote, you said it can't just be the sign on the wall, mm-hmm. right? So I see, it, we, we've all seen this. You go into a company and it says, you know, committed to excellence or committed, you know, the winning way or some some other trite sta- statement. Yeah. And yeah, I think it is important to articulate those things. I think having the sign on the wall is not a bad thing in and of itself, but it can't be just the sign of the wall. Like, and you can't have employees walk by the sign, roll their eyes and go, yeah, right. You know, that kind of thing, because then that tells you that's a disconnect. That was just a consultant got you to write some pretty words. And, and that's that. Yeah. But it seems like with your company, you really were living that out. So as you look out at the future, right, and I think I kind of have a sense of where your answer might be here, but um, optimistic, um, guardedly optimistic, um, you know, what do you see? In, in not just for yourself, but even maybe for, you know, where we're going. And obviously, I'm not asking you, you know, there's so many things happen in the world. Who knows, right? There's things that are beyond our control, above our pay grade. But your general sense as you move forward, I mean, you're investing and so on. Do you really see a resurgence in, in American manufacturing? And by the way, manufacturing never went away from the U.S. I know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was the, the press underplays how much manufacturing actually took place in the U.S., but there seems to be this real resurgence. Do you see that as being a real directional thrust right now in your industry? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, again, we've proven that under the worst circumstances that we've been able to survive. And today it is our time to shine and we are thriving. Um, I think that that's going to continue. I think that there will be bumps on the road just based on you know what's out there and what you know, what we're hearing in 2023 and probably 2024. Um, but I think that we're, what we're doing now, and again, going back to what you said, Jose, it's important that we're building a strong platform, building strong partnerships, not just, you know, looking at our bottom line, but building those partnerships that when, you know, one industry, you know, goes away or, you know, something happens there, we have enough diversity in applications diversity in customer base, diversity in industries, that it doesn't hurt us, that we're able to still survive. And, you know, if we were able to survive, you know, the entire 20 years of the ups and downs, I don't believe there's anything that could hit manufacturing that we aren't, we don't want it to, you know, we want to continue to do well. But I think that, you know, for instance, when COVID hit, one thing that a lot of manufacturers did, including myself, uh, was we were locking down processes. You know, we were we took that instead of furloughing our employees, 
And this was before the PPP came out, before mm -hmm. ventilator parts, that we, before biotech equipment, you know, it, it, we weren't ramping up like what we, what we then later on six months later happened. But in within the weeks and months after, you know, we were supposed to shut down, instead of furloughing our employees, we started looking at our processes and improving them developing our team, getting more training. I had people coming in, training us on so many different levels. You know, obviously we took the precautions and with, you know, everything with PPE, but at the same time, we didn't want to just shut down and say, okay, we're done. We're just going to wait. That's not what manufacturing is about. Manufacturing is about innovation. Manufacturing is about pushing through the obstacles and figuring out a second way, a third way, finding those different plans so we can, you know, not only, again, uh, just survive the storm, but also come back better for it. Well, Anissa, I feel like I want to be a manufacturer. <laughs> I ask, you know, and that's what every time students come in, you know, when whenever, whenever we're hosting students, that's what I ask them to do. I said, if you go on my shop floor, you work with my, you, you know, obviously shadow our engineers, our quality, you know, we even have them uh, talk with our sales and marketing team um, mm. because we want them to understand that manufacturing isn't just running a machine. There's different elements of it. And so if they leave and they don't want to join manufacturing, that's okay. Just go home and tell the story about manufacturing. Right. And that's what I ask of you, Jose, to use your platform and to being an advocate for the industry. No, absolutely. No, no. Uh, something I'm very excited about doing as well. Well, Anissa, we're, we're, at, we're at the end of our time today. Thank you so much for sharing with us, sharing not just information, but more importantly, your passion and, and I think your successes and the story behind it. I think there's a lot for people listening to this to have learned from. Uh, if somebody wanted to know more about you, your company, you personally, you know, connecting and so on, what would be the best, best way to, uh, for them to connect with you? The best platform I think would be LinkedIn for me personally. Um, and then they can always visit the company website, pioneerserviceinc.com. Okay, great. So we'll have that in our show notes as well. But in case somebody's just listening, I like them for, for them to, to find you there as well. Anissa, this has been a tremendous pleasure. Thank you so much for stopping by at uh, Business Growth on Purpose. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.